Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Q is about conversation. If we're really concerned about ending poverty, we've got to be more concerned about creating justice. Our cultural products as Christians need to both defy and resonate with the culture. And God's doing amazing things. His church is expanding. His church is growing. It's not what's the purpose of my life. It's what is the purpose that's been assigned. Stay curious. Think well. Advance good. This is Q. If this freedom that Paul talks about in Galatians is not for ourselves, but it's to serve one another in love, that's how freedom grows. And I believe that meaning and purpose, passion, is contagious. And when you see people wake into that, they start to know their birthright gifts. Welcome to this week's Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. I'm Paul Perot from Faith Radio with Gabe, and that voice we just heard, Gabe, was your wife, Rebecca Lyons. Many of you have heard Rebecca maybe speak, or you've read some of her books. <laughs> we definitely have. And she's spoken several times at Q conferences on the topic of emotional wellness. In fact, at the upcoming Q Commons event on October 24th, she'll be addressing that topic from the angle of establishing healthy rhythms. More information about Q Commons and attending in your community, available at QCommons.com. Gabe, Q has addressed the issue of mental and emotional health many times. Why is that? We know that 77% of the visits to our ERs, to doctor's offices, that you can track it back to some form of stress that's helped create that problem. And so we as a society are dealing with this at epic levels. Okay, and before we get to your conversation you and Rebecca had about a new book that she just released, I want to highlight that there are several talks on the Q Media platform at qideas.org that address this topic. One is an interview that Rebecca did with Miles Adcox of OnSite, an internationally known emotional wellness lifestyle organization. I want to play a portion of their 18-minute conversation from a recent Q conference on the topic of our mental health crisis. Let's listen in. Some recent statistics, I always love starting this way because it changes rapidly. We have 44 million people at this point who experience mental illness in a given year. 18.1% of them have some sort of anxiety disorder. 7% have a major depressive disorder. 26 suffer from bipolar. 1% 1.1% has schizophrenia. So that's about 29% total that are dealing with this on an annual basis. And so I just want that number to sink in for you, 44 million people. I've been um, researching this and having these conversations since 2010. And I remember even in 2010, hearing that the numbers one in four typically that would receive medication for anxiety or depression was 400 times what it was in 1988. So you can kind of get your head around this as an epidemic. And it's a conversation that continues to rise, like Gabe said, whether it's on a global scale, whether it's locally in our schools and in our children, whether it's in our government and policy and how these things begin. So I am so excited to have this conversation this morning. Thank you, Miles. Okay. um, Why do you think so much attention is paid to this topic? I mean, in light of everything. I still think there's a disproportionate amount of attention that is being paid to it. I'm glad it's rising. Clearly the statistics supported, and those aren't the only statistics, by the way. 
I think that number is low because that's just the people that have self-reported, gone to counseling or been assessed in some way. And how many people in here show a hands, either if you're open to it, of course, nobody's going to know because I'm going to give you an out, uh, would be uh, actually have experienced uh, a mental health challenge in some way. And I'm gonna, we, maybe we'll clarify what that is. Or you know somebody that has. That's your out. So raise your hand. There you go. Okay. So you were so if you take you a love. room like that, that's way more than twenty percent. That's why right. I think this is. That's I want to think we're talking about it more, and why I think we should be talking about it more. Absolutely. So part of my story with this is it came on midlife, thirty-seven panic disorder, my first panic attack, and lasted for about eighteen months. There are certain triggers that I now can identify. Um, uh, my faith played a vital role in that uh, journey. There was a lot of crying out to God, a lot of getting honest with Him. And then I sought counsel in that season as well of just going back to root wounds of childhood. What are things that that created lies that I began to believe about myself? And and where did that crippling begin? Because so often we see mental health as the outside of what's actually happening inside. And I remember going to doctors and kept saying like, no, I really think I might have something wrong with my heart. And they're like, no, I really think this is an emotional thing. And I had a hard time with that because it really did mean that we need to dig deeper, which I'm so grateful now, eight eight years into this, that that's what it resulted because it has been a healing journey um, from the inside out. And I'm curious what you find in this practice. Um, Are people ready for that? Are people ready for the excavation of the heart that can be hard? Uh, No. (laughs) I I say that uh, from professional experience, but I'll first share, uh, it's also relative personally to me. I I got into this business in the helping profession, like what you just shared, through the lens of my own experience. I found myself in the wrong relationships and in the wrong wrong career in my 20s and, and crashed with depression. And thanks to the right people coming around me at the right time, I had a lights coming on moment and it reshaped what I'm doing as a human being and professionally and personally. So I've learned a lot about it, but I still see definitely the stigma is opening up today. More Mm -hmm. people are more comfortable taking a deep dive on their narrative and figure out what parts aren't working. But we still got a long way to go because I think therapy overall is, is branded all wrong. It's still set up as this is where you go when something's wrong with you. And it's not what's wrong with you that you would try to become a better version of yourself. It's what's right with you. And so I think every, if people knew that, if people knew, and, and again, coaching has helped because coaching's not quite as threatening. Right. But right. overall, you typically don't pursue it until you feel you need it. And guess what? We always need it. So. Right, right. Prevention. <laughs> so what signs should we be looking for as leaders, especially people of faith, whether we're carrying responsibilities in our churches or our businesses, industries, teams, home, whatever, that, that, that are the red flags, that are the things like all is not well, we should pay attention to this. What are things and symptoms even in this room that you would recommend people keep an eye out for? I think when you notice the people around you or yourself uh, becoming numb, and that could be that you're using medicators to numb. How I would define medicators is, well, pick your poison. I mean, I, I've tried them all <laughs> historically, but it could be, you may think it's alcohol, drugs, sex, porn. Those are big ones. But guess mm-hmm. what else is? Technology, mm-hmm. work. My guess is we have a lot of passion junkies in here who are in ministry or in leadership in some way, and it's hard to separate who we are from what we do. And I, I struggle with that. And that's what I'm, I'm the face of an organization that helps people do that every day. And I'm raising my hand right now that sometimes if you say, who are you? 
within the first 30 seconds, I'm going to tell you what I do. And that's a dangerous place to be. So I think when you see people disconnected, disengaged, lonely, uh, sad, those are flags that, that there's a challenge. Yes. Okay. So let's, let's take a moment. Um, self-examination. I love how Paul says, before you take the bread and the cup, you examine the heart. And he then says, he says, if you don't, that's why so many are sick among you. I think there's, some, there's a real power in self-examination. David says in Psalms, he's like, search me, O God. Psalm 129, search me, O God. And know my heart, test me, and know my anxious thoughts. The King James says anxious thoughts, which really resonates with me. Um, see if there's anything wicked in me and lead me in the way everlasting. There, there's a real power in asking the spirit of the living God that we believe in, that we believe dwells in and among us as his people, to show us, to show us the places that, they're, that are hidden, that are wounded, because you cannot heal what is hidden. So, and... Like the enemy wants things to stay secret. They want things to stay hidden. And so, so often we are numb to the pain, especially the pain that's really debilitating. Like the pain that was like, uh, this is too hard to deal with. I'm just going to shove that down. I'm going to tuck that away. And then maybe a decade later or two decades later, something surfaces and we don't know physically what to do with that. We're seeing a physical expression of something that we were never re- ready to grieve through um, or, or or even work and process through. When I worked in crisis intervention and when I started my career and worked in the addiction space, one of the most beautiful things I ever experienced is was seeing people at their worst mm-hmm. and showing them their best. Mm-hmm. It was unconditional grace. And mm-hmm. I thought, why should that level of grace only be reserved for people lucky enough to have a face plant moment in life? Wow. And what about That's the good. rest of us? Yeah. And so I think what we can do is if don't leave this environment on your breaks without talking to somebody about who they are, not what they do. I understand the networking value. Ask somebody somebody and have them ask you, how do you process stress? You just opened the door and started the conversation. I think that's all we want to do, which is why I I started what I started. And I don't talk about it through mental health and pathology a lot. I talk about it through emotional wellness and personal growth. Oh, I love it. Come on. Thank you, Miles. Everyone give Miles a hand. Thank you so much. It's really nice. This is Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. I'm Paul Perot. And Gabe, as we talk about mental health, emotional wellness, and how to foster that in ourselves and others, your wife, Rebecca, this past week released a new book. It's called Rhythms of Renewal, Trading Stress and Anxiety for a Life of Peace and Purpose, which is what we want to focus on for the rest of the show. Tell us about it. Now, this has been a project that we really collectively have been working on for years because it's not just about a book or a message, but it's about living a life in rhythm that helps keep stress and anxiety at bay and actually keeps you on a track where you're healthy. You have things to offer to the world. What's amazing about Rebecca's story is just how God's used it to help people gain freedom over this, to know how to overcome these things. And in this particular book, it's walking people through four specific habits, rhythms that we can build into our daily life, our weeks, our weekends that actually replenish us and help us live on purpose and live with peace in a world that's dividing our attention, that's distracting us all the time and many times keeping us from being fully who we were meant to be. So let's listen in now as I ask Rebecca several questions that I think will give you insights as you try to live your life on rhythm. 
Well, Rebecca, it is awesome to have you in the Q studio today. Many of our listeners have heard your talks, know about you, uh, but I don't often get to interview you, so I'm excited about that. Me too. So let's talk a little bit about your journey. You've been so focused on helping people get freedom from anxiety, from stress. You just released your new book that's dealing with the idea of rhythms of renewal, but take us back a little bit. Why has this become such a passion point for you? Well, as you know, Gabe, <laughs> front and center, uh, when we moved to New York nine years ago, I, within four months, had my first panic attack, and then that continued on planes, trains, elevators, subways, and crowds. So it was a slow crippling over about a year of just starting to feel this this constant sense of fear. And for me in that season, anxiety became my fancy word for fear. And then I know you know this, but I'm going to tell the Q listeners that about a year into that September 20th of 2011, I woke in the middle of the night, so gripped in fear and you began to pray for me. And I found my voice and just out of nowhere, I just said, rescue me. It was this kind of cry, this cry for help, this cry for surrender, (laughs) this cry for peace. And in that moment, I was flooded with peace and everything changed from that moment forward. I mean, that was the beginning of you starting to read and try to better understand anxiety. And you understood how many people, specifically middle-aged women, were on antidepressants, were taking anti-anxiety meds. We had a lot of friends in our life talking about it, but it it hadn't bubbled up the way now. Right. This has become the epidemic. Right. This is the thing everybody's talking about. Everybody's feeling anxiety. If it was 40% of people, then sure. it's like 80%. Now. Sure, right. It was one in four women back then when I first started talking about it and studying it, struggling with anxiety or depression. Now we've got 78% of our society. Here we are a few years later, 78% are exhibiting physical symptoms of stress. So no longer just chronic stress in your mind. Your body is actually playing this out, whether it's shortness of breath, sleepless nights, racing mind. Chest pains. Yes, all and, those things. And we're also seeing it go to the younger generation. So yes. whereas before you would never think of kids dealing with this as much, now right. we know our teenagers, they're dealing with it. They're feeling depressed, they're feeling less connected and lonely. And all of this kind of has worked together. It's been cool to sit alongside you and just see how God helped you discover this purpose in your life. We talk a lot at Q about finding our calling, understanding our vocation. And so it's just been amazing to see how you started to discover that. But there was one historic book. There was was a book that was written by Viktor Frankl that was introduced to you by one of our mentors, and you went and just poured into that. And that became kind of a guide for a deeper way of thinking about it. And I just want to spend a few minutes for our listeners to just go a little deeper to think well about this. Why do you think anxiety exists based on what you've learned and better understood about the way the human mind works? So studying Viktor Frankl when he wrote Man's Search for Meaning, the premise of his thinking in logotherapy. So unlike his predecessor, Freud, who believed we were made for pleasure, or Adler, who said we were made for power, Frankel was a Jewish man who borrowed from his faith and said, no, that's not true. We're made for meaning. He's a Holocaust survivor. He survived four camps in three years. And he really defined meaning in three ways. Our, our work, like meaningful work that makes us come alive, love, the ability to give and receive unconditional love, and finally, bravery and suffering. And he had to actually live that as he survived these concentration camps and even had to feed his father morphine in the final days in one of the camps. So so that work really shaped me because the premise of his ideas was that the root of anxiety is unfulfilled responsibility. Okay, hang on right there. So this to me was the gold that you started to discover many years ago, and you've spent a lot of your energy trying to help people understand what that might look like, especially in women's lives. We know it relates to both women and men, but 
this conversation wasn't happening as much for women a decade ago. Right. I don't know if you remember, but the first thing I ever wrote coming into that healing journey was an article for Q, and it was called Why Are Women Fading? And it was this idea that we all kind of marched off to college, you know, with so much ambition and dreams. And then two decades later, buried under responsibilities and weight and busyness, we had lost some sense of who we are what we were made to do, what we are passionate about, where our callings begin, where our burdens lie. Yeah. And that set off just incredible conversations. We started something called Women in Calling, Q Women. Yeah. We just said, we've got to go after this. And now many, many years later, tons of talks. There's, there's just, this conversation has just exploded, especially within the church. But I think we're seeing it society-wide where women are feeling empowered to pursue the things they're called to do. And I know in our own relationship, it was, a, it was a bit of an epiphany for me just how much energy we needed to turn towards you having space and time and margin to pursue this for yourself. And I remember you going and doing a life planning retreat and right. starting to really work through this in your own life, which is really the beginnings of the story to where sure. now many years later, you've written three books on this. You speak a lot to a lot of people about this particular message. And it's just been great to see how God's used your voice in this conversation. It just matters so much to me. I remember reading at the end of Frankel's book where he says, my meaning in life is to help others find theirs. And I almost cried. I'll never forget where I was when I read it because I think that's the crux is that if this freedom that Paul talks about in Galatians is not for ourselves, but it's to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. And I believe that meaning and purpose, passion is contagious. And when you see people wake into that, they start to know their birthright gifts, like Parker Palmer talks about and Let Your Life Speak. He says, we all come into this world with birthright gifts, but early on we abandon them or others disabuse them. But if we are aware and awake and able to admit our loss, we spend those second half of our lives recovering the gifts we've always possessed. That's what we're finding. That's what people are doing. People in their 30s, 40s, whatever, it's never too late to reestablish what you want your life to be about. And so we're watching people, you and I together, this is so fun, through Q, through my work, through your work, through everything we do together, is to watch people waken to the calling that is where their talents and their burdens collide and see them, see just something shift for them. Yeah. And part of what Viktor Frankl talks about is this existential crisis, right? And an existential crisis is essentially when there's that moment an individual questions that life doesn't have meaning. There is no more purpose. I don't know that there's value. And we're seeing a lot of people start to have that crisis, but he kind of pointed to two specific causes for yeah. that type of crisis. Yeah. He says that that roots out of a society of affluence and boredom. Wow. So I mean, wealth, that's so cool. Wealth to, and a lot of time it. on your hands. Yeah, that clear. And that's America, right? Right. Affluent, bored, just distracting ourselves with everything from entertainment to video games to our phones to social media. And it's in that sort of space that this kind of thing can kind of nest and it can roost. Right, because they don't have a sense of responsibility. This goes back to what he says earlier. He said he even jokes like if you put a Statue of Liberty on the East Coast, you need a Statue of Responsibility on the West Coast because you cannot have freedom apart from responsibility. And we know that innately, but we're just a little bit afraid of how to proceed with that. 
And so we're no longer governed by what we must do in centuries before, like hunting for food or what we ought to do, like caring for the elderly or caring for someone else. We're now left to govern, be governed by what we want to do. And that's the problem is we were never made by God, created to determine what we want to do and live in that way. Yeah, we actually despair when the weight of the world is on us to play God. I mean, this is right. back to the garden, original yeah. sin, like thinking we're God. We can figure out our own meaning and purpose. And we believe you can't know your meaning and purpose outside of this fixed point that lives outside of yourself, who is God, right. who actually helps you determine and, and find that. So many people haven't found that. So many people are today listening to this, feeling the weight of anxiety. And your latest work, to me, most important, most practical project is something, this book called Rhythms of Renewal. Will you just describe for everybody exactly this idea of rhythms of renewal and how you've lived this out and started to see the healing that's come from that and specifically dealing with stress and anxiety. Sure. So the subtitle is trading stress and anxiety for a life of peace and purpose, because my goal was not just to get free, but live free. What, what is a sustained journey of spiritual and emotional and physical and relational health look like? And so that's what this book outlines. There's two input rhythms that are rest and restore, two output rhythms that are connect and create, knowing that every single one of those rhythms is connected to a health that we need in our life. Yeah. And so this is so practical. There's four rhythms. And when you start to incorporate these rhythms into your daily life, your weekly life, monthly, you know, throughout the year, that you're actually building in time to, like you said, rest and restore, connect and create, that when those things are operating in a healthy way, your anxiety and stress starts to fade. It starts to go a little bit to the backdrop of your life versus being the first thing you're waking up feeling because your life starts to have more intention. I would imagine the Q audience is largely connect and create. You guys are ambitious. You're going after things. You're running hard and fast. But what I'm learning for Gabe and I and for many of our peers is that over a long season of that, you cannot give what you haven't received. And so we start to burn out. And so rest and restore is so foundational, which is why I started the book with those two rhythms, because we've got to feel permission to rest. We've got to be reminded by God that he's not casual about rest. It's not optional. He actually, after he creates, he then he rests and then he blesses that same day. So I believe that rest precedes blessing and we don't run to earn rest. We run from fueled by a posture of rest. Yeah. And there's so many talks that have taken place over the 13 years since we started the Q conference together that deal with a lot of these rhythms. I think of Andy Crouch's talks on technology and how do we manage technology. You have a chapter in your new book on taking a tech detox. You talk about your sleep patterns. We talk about morning routines. And I mean, this morning we went for a walk at 6, 15 AM. We right. take an hour long walk the mornings that we can. And then we took time to just talk and to reflect and to pray together. And those are the types of rhythms that aren't always easy to figure out if you're not planning ahead. But if you plan ahead, like we had that walk on the calendar. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of sad. Like yeah. We have to plan a walk. But because of how busy life is, we plan for these things because we know how incredibly important this is to our own mental health. Rest and restore are the first things to go. They're the first things to get pushed to the side. And we think our body can keep up. But it can't because the whole point of rhythms is they're a boundary that God established when he created the world. He created everything in rhythm, nature, constellations, waves on a shore, days, weeks, months, seasons. Everything's in rhythm. And then humanity was created in rhythm, heartbeat, pulse, breathing, 
All of that is so that we live within this framework of rhythm. And when we get outside of the bounds of rhythm, our bodies pay the price, our minds pay the price, our sleep pays the price, and our relationships, ultimately our work pays the price. And maybe that's when it gets our attention. (laughs) When our work starts to suffer and we're feeling like we don't have the energy we used to have to run hard and fast after what we used to love, we need to come back to rest and restore. Well, tell everybody listening that's part of Q and hears you at Q, but maybe doesn't understand this whole other side of your work, how they can find more about your work. Sure. Well, it's just my name, RebeccaLyons.com. And then these three books, uh, this is, I hope, maybe the end of my trilogy on anxiety. But the goal with this book in particular is that over the last several years of teaching about walking free and living free from this physical and mental just hardship that we face was like, give me some practical tools, practical steps. And so this work is science. There's a lot of research in it. Gabe made very sure of that. And I'm so grateful for it because I think science and faith coincide beautifully. So you can find the book there at RebeccaLyons.com or also all these free resources like 10 tips for mental health, 30 verses for anxiety, video series on rest, all this free stuff, RebeccaLyons.com slash free. Yeah. Over the years, you've created so many great resources that people are taking advantage of in small groups and conversations. And so as your husband, incredibly proud, as kind of a partner with you, though, in trying to do this kind of work together that's meaningful, that we believe is advancing truth in a time where this is so important. That's just been fun, and I've enjoyed it, and I'm excited to see where the next season of this all goes. Me too. It's always fun getting to talk to Rebecca, but more fun when I get to record it. So I'm glad we got to do that together today. I want to remind you, go to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, anywhere you buy books and get the audio of that book. You can order it to get shipped to you immediately. It's a big week. It's creating a big conversation culturally amongst media outlets and other places who are desperate to figure out how do we solve this anxiety problem? What are we going to do about it? And it's just been cool to see how Rebecca's story has entered that and is trying to faithfully tell the story of how God intersects our lives. And through that rest and through understanding who we are, some of that stress and anxiety can go away, but we have to proactively live into this. I also want to invite you to check out a podcast that Rebecca and I have launched called Rhythms for Life. And you can see that at Apple. You can get that on Q Media. And you can access this conversation we're having where we're interviewing experts, doctors, practitioners, scientists, people who are professional athletes and so on about how do they live their life in rhythm. And so if you enjoyed that conversation, there's more to listen to, more to read, more to understand, because most of us in our life have a friend or we're dealing with it ourselves or a child who's going through some of these feelings. And our hope is that this can just be one part of the bigger solution of helping people live with peace and live on purpose. This program is made possible in partnership with Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Thank you for listening to the Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make your gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. 
To avoid missing future editions of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or on your podcast player. And thank you for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons.